morning, Crossroads. This is the day the Lord has made, and what will we do? And be glad in it. Amen. Amen. Well, if you will stand to your feet as we get ready to go to the Lord and pray for the worship. Uh, Pastor Josiah will be up and have you ready to lead us in a prayer that we have for the rest of our time. What? 
So here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God, you're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. So here I to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God, you're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. So here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God, you're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. So here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God, and you're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. And I'll never know 
you have graced us with your presence in a mighty way this morning. We can feel your love just settling over this place. Father, you are our provider. Jehovah Jireh, you are our victory. Jehovah Nisi, you are our healer. Jehovah Rophi, you are our shepherd. You are all that we need. And Father, we give you the praise this morning because you have seen everything that happens to us every day and every second Every minute of our lives, and you were right there. You walk with us. You are worthy of our praise, Father, because you alone are the creator of this universe. No matter what happens in society, no matter what happens in our lives, you are never taken by surprise. And those things that the enemy would use to distract us, those things the enemy would use to delay us, we bind them now in the name of Jesus. We release into this place your presence. We release into this place your healing. We release into this place your glory. And Father, we just right now open this place, open the floodgates into this building. Open the floodgates into your church. For we are your church, Father, not this place, not a building somewhere with windows with stained glass and saints that are frozen in time. We are your church, and Lord, you are here for us today. Father, your Holy Spirit is just moving this morning. I pray that you will open hearts. I pray that you will open our minds to hear that we will begin to dwell in the fullness of the freedom that comes from being your child for you are worthy and we are here to worship and father you have told us that you inhabit the praises of your people so lord just come on in and sit down and take a seat and we want to worship you this morning we're going to give you everything we have because you are worthy father you are worthy and you are all that we need you are all that we need. And, Father, right now we just surrender everything we have to you. And we come, Lord, to worship. And we come, Lord, to just bask in your presence and sit and have a conversation with our Father. Have a conversation with our best friend because that is what you are. And we just, Lord, right now surrender the rest of this service, the rest of our days, the rest of our, our beings to you, Lord and that you will just inhabit the praises of your people, that we come, Lord, now to worship. In Jesus' name. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. 
so worthy. God, as we lift our hearts to you in our voices, in our homes, in our spirits, Lord, we know you are able to do amazing things. And we are so release your power in our country, that you release your power in our families, that you release your power, God, in our midst today, whether we're online or whether we're here in person, Lord, we children will be right in here and we are so excited that's right we're excited you're here so excited that you're here and God we're excited that you're here with us right and that you have a message for us today through our praise and worship and through the word that's going to be spoken to us today God is so good isn't he Right now is time for us to bring our tithes and our offerings to the Lord. Um, do we have our scripture that we can read, Miss Jalen? Let's everybody stand if you're able, and let's read this together. This is the scripture of God. This is the word of God. And when we when we say it out loud, we're hearing our own voices. It's getting into our spirits. It's getting into our hearts. The way that we learn and get closer to God, other than praising and worship and reading his word, is speaking out loud and allowing him to speak to us. Let's read together. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully also reap bountifully. So let each one give as his purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. You know, it wouldn't hurt us a bit if we read that scripture at home. Amen? Be 
because we need to remember that and we need to get that in our heart that we are giving so God's kingdom can go forward and God is very happy with us when we give joyfully. So smiles, everybody smiles, everybody's heart is rejoicing and come and give to the Lord. Amen. Good morning again, Crossroads. Good to have everyone here in the house of the Lord today. We came to hear the word, and we're going to depend on the Holy Spirit and prepare our hearts and minds with worship, which we've done. So now we're open our ears to hear the word that God has for us. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, Father, we come before you today. Holy Spirit, we give you control in this place. I ask you right now to touch our hearts mind, our ears, Lord, Father, that we would hear what you have for us today, and Father, that it would accomplish that for which you have created it to accomplish, and Father, that it would change lives, and Father God, I just pray, Lord, that you would rise up in me, Lord, that there be none of me, but all of you, Holy Spirit, and we are here to do your will and to follow your ways, and I give you all the glory, in your holy name we pray. So today we're going to talk about a topic that I have never personally heard preached, and it's going to be on confession. Anybody in here know about confession? You know why we confess, how we confess, the methods of confession? Well, you know, I thought I knew too, and the more I get into scripture, and the more that I've been studying and listening to Pastor Josiah's sermon talking about the new covenant, I realize there is more to confession than what I've been taught. And I dare say some of us in here probably going to realize that there's more to it 
than what we've been taught. So when I was looking for a title today, the title I came up is, If God Has Truly Forgiven My Sins, Past, Present, and Future, Then Why Do I Have to Confess? Is there anything left for me to confess if God has forgiven everything? Well, I'm going to tell you simply, the answer is yes. Why do we confess? Very easily, because God said so in his word. So in order to know the purpose of confession, you've got to know they're about sin, right? You can't confess something that you didn't do. You can't confess something if you don't realize that you've made a mistake, that you have sinned. Well, I'm going to tell you, and this covers everybody in here and everybody that I know, we all sin and we all fall short. Romans 8, excuse me, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. My name is written in that word all, okay? Real simple. So if we agree that we sin and we fall short, then we know that we have to confess. Now this is the part that I had never thought about or I had never heard taught before. Do you realize there's two types of confession? There's two types of confession. And if God has forgiven my sins, past, present, and future, then how can there be two types of confession? Well, the first one is called a positional or a judicial forgiveness. Okay? And this, is, this happens the very moment that you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The forgiveness we receive at that time when we accept Him as Savior is immediate it is permanent, and it is for all time. It is not to be repeated. Okay? That's where we understand that God has forgiven our sins, past, present, and future. Pastor Sy has been talking about the new covenant and what all the new covenant meant for us. And when Jesus died on that cross, he bought for us He that forgiveness of our sins. Now, I wasn't physically there when he was crucified. So every sin that was ever created or will ever be created from that point forward is forgiven for those that believe in Jesus Christ. All our sins are forgiven. Ephesians 1.7 from the, um, the Passion Translation since we are now joined to Christ, we have been given the treasures of redemption by his blood. The total cancellation of our sins. All because of the cascading riches of his grace. That is positional or judicial forgiveness. That happened immediately. Psalms 103.12 says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Have you ever, right now, just try to picture in your mind how far the east is from the west. Can you comprehend how far that is? You can't comprehend that. 
Well, if God has removed our sins that far away from us where they can't be comprehended, he doesn't see them. He doesn't know about them. As far as the east is from the west. 1 John 1, 7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from, get this, all sin. That's our positional forgiveness in Christ. That is the new covenant. You realize before, under the old covenant, there was no forgiveness of sins. There were just actions. There was just repentance. There was just sacrifices because we know we did wrong and because God said when we did wrong, we do this. So we did it. But there was no true forgiveness of sins until Jesus came and forgave our sins. What happened after he got on the cross? He came back. Did he descend somewhere? If you do the studies, you realize that people who died in faith before Jesus Christ went to a place we would call paradise, okay? It wasn't heaven and it wasn't hell. It was more of a holding place that they stayed. And when he died, he went and forgave those people their sins and transported them into heaven. So before Christ, if you died in faith, you went to a place called paradise. When Jesus died, he went and took those people, brought them out, and then for us who live after him, there is no holding place or a paradise place. And I know some religions teach that there's a place you go and that your, your friends and family and relatives can buy you out of this place and they can do so many things for you. It's not biblical. The word says to be absent from the body is to be where? Presence with the Lord. The moment we pass from death to life, we're in his presence. Why? Because we have that positional forgiveness. Your sins cannot keep you out of heaven anymore. As long as you are a believer in Jesus Christ. If you are not a believer in Jesus Christ, you are still dead in your sins, and you will still be subject to that if you pass from this life. There will be no second chances. There will be no but what ifs. Eternity is eternity. And everybody in here, everybody that's ever lived, everybody that will ever live is eternal. You do know that, right? It depends on where you're going to spend it. I don't know about you, I'd much rather spend it with my Lord and Savior. Sometimes I think we, we look at God or we look at Jesus and we think he's that mighty ruler with a big stick and he's just waiting on us to step out of line or not do something that he's told us to do and he's just going to whack us upside the head when we don't do it. You know, he's just sitting there just waiting for us to sin or waiting for us to fall so he can go after us. That's not true. God loves us as much right now in our current situation as he ever will. That's why Pastor Josiah's been talking about the new covenant. There's nothing we can do 
There's not enough prayers we can say. There's not enough scriptures we can read. There's not enough money we can give. There's not enough good deeds that we can do that's going to get us in a better position with Jesus Christ. We are who we will always be in his sight. Now, do you realize when Jesus died on the cross, all God's wrath, all his anger, all his disappointment in us was laid upon Jesus? He is no longer mad at us. He is no longer angry with us. He is not standing in the hallway waiting for us so he can smack us. He is standing there calling to us, saying, I love you. I love you just where you are. Unfortunately, I don't know about you, but I still fail. Any, any of us in here fails? I still disappoint God. And you know what? I have to reap the consequences of my failure. God has saved me from my sins, but I still have consequences of those sins that I am subject to in this world. So when we do sin, yes, we have consequences. But yes, also, God still loves us just as much as he ever did from the moment we got saved. This, again, is the permanent position which we have in Jesus Christ when we become we become his child. Before Christ, we were dead in our sins. We could not enter the presence of God. We know the story. When the tabernacle was set up, there was a veil that separated us from the Holy of Holies where God's presence lived, and no one was allowed back there. Even the priest was only allowed, the super high head priest was allowed back there one time a year, and he had to go through certain rites and rituals to make sure he was worthy to go back there. Pastor talked about this last Sunday. They had bells on his robe, and, you know, they tied a rope around his leg, and if those bells stopped ringing, they're going to have to jerk him out because they couldn't go back there to get him if he died. We were not allowed in the presence of God. Our sin kept us out. When God poured forth all his anger, all his wrath, all the sin, past, present, and future sins on Jesus Christ, when he died, he paid that price. He satisfied that debt that we had created and that we owed. And it was signified by the ripping of the veil from the top to the bottom, which now gives us what? We now have free access into the presence of a holy God, not because we're good, not because that we can say more prayers, not because we can read more scripture, but because God says it is finished. Everything is finished. It is done. Well, I saw fine and dandy. We talked about the positional or judicial presence and forgiveness of God. So why do I still have to confess my sins? Why does God still want me to tell him I failed? This is what we call relational or familiar forgiveness, okay? It's forgiveness we need every time we sin. And the reason is so that we do not hinder our relationship or fellowship with Jesus. Okay? 1 John 1, 9 in the 
Passion Translation says. But if we freely admit our sins and his light uncovers them, he will be faithful to forgive our sins every time. God is just to forgive us our sins because of Christ, and he will continue to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, wait a minute. Didn't you just say that when we accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior, he already forgave our sins? Yes, he did. So hold on with me. 1 John 1, 8 through 10 says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. So now I'm in the position of, yes, I believe that God has forgiven my sins, past, present, and future, but I still fail. Well, if I hold on to the fact that, oh, well, that's just a thing I do just because I'm alive on this earth, I don't have to forget, confess my sins. For God, no. God knows everything. He knew you were going to commit that failure before you committed that failure. Proverbs 28, 13 says, Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. I'm going to tell you a story. You've all heard the story about a son his father and he had a brother and his father was very wealthy and the younger son said dad I know when you pass on that we'll get our inheritance and everything and all that's fine and dandy but I don't want to wait on that I want my inheritance now okay well the father gives him his inheritance and the younger son runs off he parties, he plays hard, he buys all the expensive jewelry and the big cars, and he's just having a good time on his inheritance. But how many here know that money runs out sooner or later? It's not eternal. He wasn't thinking about that. He had all these friends. Oh, they were his best buds when he was buying all the, you know, the beer and the food and all the stuff, and they were having a good time on his dime. All his friends were right there with him so he thought he came to the end of that inheritance guess what he had no money he had no friends he had no place to live what could he do and he ends up taking a job feeding pigs now this guy this young son was Jewish and Jewish consider pigs filthy dirty, unclean animals. Now not only has he got a menial job, according to what society would say, but he's also got to realize he's now having to serve these unclean animals. And the scripture tells us that the slop in which he fed the pigs, he was so hungry he would have gladly eaten that. He was probably about as low as you could get in the moral and in the emotional code, okay? He was down. He was so far down, and he starts looking, and scripture says, and I'm going to 
previous sermon was from Luke 15, starting verse 17. But when he came to himself, when he realized his true condition, he said, how many of my friends, my father's hired servants, have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. So he realized the condition he was in. He realized his failure. He realized he had sinned. Before he came to himself, what was that sin doing to him with his father? There was a wall there, wasn't it? He wasn't going to face his father. He would rather go feed pigs and slop than go back and tell his father he was sorry. This is what unconfessed sin does to us today. We don't confess our sins because God needs us to tell him what we did. We confess our sins because it prevents that wall from us and God. What's the first thing as a child that you did when you knowingly did something wrong that your parents told you not to do? What's the first thing you did? What was that? You went and told them you were sorry? But when you first committed that sin, what was your first thought? I hide. That's right. I ain't going to tell mom and daddy I did this sin. I'm going to hide. And here, when he, he didn't just hide, he ran. He stayed away because he didn't want to admit that he had failed his father. He didn't want to admit his father was right. He didn't want to admit all of these lists of things that he didn't want to do kept him out of the presence of his father, kept him from going home. And thank the Lord that when he came to himself, he realized yeah, I'm in a bad shape. I'll go to my father. I'll basically disown myself from him. I'm no longer going to be your son. Can you hire me as a servant in your house? Because even his servants in his father's house had it better than he had it. So he had already made up his mind. I won't go as a son anymore. I will no longer be a son. I've already spent my inheritance. There's nothing for me to do. I'll just, I need something to eat. I'll be a servant and work in his father's house. So he got up, he rose and went to his father. But when he was still a great way off, I want to get him over here. It's one of my favorite verses. When he was still a great way off, the father saw him and had compassion on him. And he ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Bring out the best robes and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. And they begin to be merry. This is why 
who confess our sins to the Father. God is like that Father. He is watching for us far off. He already knows what we did. He's just waiting on us to come forward and put ourselves back in that position. One of the things we need to remember, that son never stopped being his son. No matter what we do, after we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, no matter what we do, we will never stop being a child of God. And the Father looks at us, He's watching us, and He's saying, I want you to do just a tiny bit. And I will bring out the fatty calf. I will dress you in the best robes. I will put rings on your fingers. I will put new shoes on your feet. And I will welcome you back as my son. The father very easily could have said, okay, you're going to be a servant. Go live in the servant's quarters. He didn't. Why? This son had taken the money and the inheritance that his father had, and he squandered it. He misused it. The father could have been very angry with him. The father could have said, I'm done with you. I have nothing left to give you. In fact, if you read on, when the older son comes and gets angry about it, what does the father say? All that I have is yours. Because there was nothing really left for the, the younger son because he had already gotten his inheritance. But there was one thing left that the father had that he could give that son, and that was love. That was acceptance as a son in his household. So our not confessing hinders our relationship, our daily fellowship with our father. We're still a son or a daughter. And here's the other part. When we don't confess, remember I told you we have consequences of our sins? When we don't confess our sins, we subject ourselves to the discipline of the father. When we confess our sins, it's done. Proper fellowship with God cannot happen with unconfessed sin in our lives. That is the new covenant. That is the benefit and the blessings that we have now as children of God when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Our position in Him is final. It is permanent. It is never going to change. There's nothing we can do that's going to take us out. And you know what? There's nothing that we can do that's going to put us in any closer. We are where we will always be. And that is right in the presence of God, right in his loving arms. He calls us by name. He calls us his child. He he gives us all the benefits. I hadn't planned to say this, but you know what? We need to also stop living here like we're waiting on us to get to heaven to get our benefits. God has given our benefits here and now. There are benefits that we won't receive till we get there, but there are so many more benefits that we have here and now. And if we look at ourselves and we say, wait a minute, I, I'm not seeing these benefits rolling. I'm a, I'm a child of God, but I'm just feeling we need to see if there's something we haven't confessed. Is there something standing in between us and the Father? Is there something keeping us out of our Father's house? 
So now how do we deal with confession and the guilt that comes with it? Because that's the number one thing our sin brings us is guilt. And it's the guilt that keeps us running. It's the guilt that keeps us out of the presence of the Father. It's the guilt that keeps us hiding. The first thing that we got to do is confess all known and previously unconfessed sins. Well, if you're like me, sometimes my brain doesn't remember everything. So how do I know if I have unconfessed sin? If I know I have unconfessed sins, I can forgive them. It's the Holy Spirit. Ask him, is there something I haven't confessed? Ask him, is there something I need to do? Bring it to my mind and my remembrance. Be prepared because he will do that exact same thing. And when he does this, you need to confess it. Psalms 32, 3 through 5 says, When I refuse, and this is David, Psalm 51 and Psalm 32 are very good psalms to study about forgiveness. And this is about David. We know how David failed, how David sinned with Bathsheba, you know, and how he took upon the things that he did. And these psalms is David's repentance, his confession back to God. But Psalms 32, 3, 5 says, When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Selah. And you know the word selah in there means contemplate on what you just read, basically, as the Amanda Lee would say, pause for you to contemplate or think about it. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Selah. And what I just said, we need to ask the Lord to reveal any other sins that we might be confessing or might not be confessing. Psalms 139 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out everything in me that offends you and lead me along the paths of everlasting life. Next, we seek to make restitution. Where possible, of sins committed against others. This can be a very hard thing. You may not be in a position where you can make restitution to someone. Maybe they've moved out of state. Maybe they've passed on. Maybe they're no longer around or you have no contact. And you can't make restitution. But God will show you how to make that restitution. It may be just praying. It may be going to a family member. It may be going to a relative or someone else who may be involved in your situation. And it may just be getting together with God and saying, hey, I did this thing against this person. But we need to make restitution. It's not enough for us to confess. Confession comes in two parts. There's confession where we admit what we've done. But there's also um, repentance. And part of that repentance is restitution. Making good on those things that we failed. So we need to make restitution where possible. Luke 19.8 says, 
Meanwhile, Zacchaeus, y'all, this is a little story. How many people know the story of Zacchaeus, the little son? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. We sung it as a kid. Zacchaeus was not a believer. He just heard about Jesus coming, and he wanted to see what all the hoopla was about. So he goes, and he's a short guy, and the crowd, he couldn't see anything. So he climbs up into a tree that is a sycamore tree to see the Lord. And the Lord shows up, and it says, Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, This is after he confessed and after he repented, I will give half my wealth to the poor. Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. He was willing to make restitution on the things that he did. Number four, trust the promises of God that he will forgive sins and remove guilt. Sometimes it's not enough for us to just say it and do it. We have to trust that what we did was sufficient. And God is faithful to accomplish that which he had promised he was going to accomplish on us. If we've confessed it, he said he's going to forgive it, guess what he's going to do? He's going to forgive it, right? Psalms 85 says, You forgave the guilt of your people. Yes, you covered all their sins. Psalms 86.5 says, O Lord, you are so good, so ready to forgive, so full of unfailing love for all who ask for your help. And Romans 8.1 says, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Those are his promises that he will do. Five. This is what I struggle with sometimes. I'll confess. I believe it as fun. And for some reason, in my mind, I start dwelling on those things again. Those things start coming up in my mind. I start remembering the horrible things that I did or what someone else did to me. Because sometimes it's not what we did, but it's what someone did to us. We have to forgive them. So on occasions when guilty feelings arise over already confessed and forsaken sin, reject such feelings as false guilt. Psalms 103, 8 says, The Lord is compassionate and merciful, and thank God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us, nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. I'm just so thankful that we have a loving God who is merciful, who knows me, who understands me. You know what? I could stand in front of somebody and I could tell them this whole big story and I promise not to, and they won't have a clue. As far as they know, I'm being truthful. I can't do that with my father because he knows me. He knows when I'm just mouthing words. He knows my heart. In fact, it says he looks on our heart, not on our outside. You and I can only see the outside. I can only take what you're telling me. But my father knows my heart. Number six, ask the Lord to rebuke Satan, who is your accuser, and ask the Lord to restore the joy that comes with the freedom from guilt. That is one of the main plans of Satan. 
you can't touch our salvation. Once you're saved, it's gone. There's nothing he can do to you except to keep you in outcome, keep you in fear, keep you in guilt. You go to do something, he goes, ooh, remember what happened last time you did that? You made a big mess of it. What makes you think you're going to do different this time? Remember so-and-so? Remember how they treated you? They ain't changed. Don't try to be friends with them. Remember what happened when you lied about so-and-so? You got away with it that time, you thought. But you're not going to get away with it this time. Everything he says he is accusing you of, he brings condemnation. Okay? Christ will bring conviction. He'll make you understand, oh, I shouldn't be doing that. But Satan will say, you're filthy, you're a liar, you'll always be a liar, you're not any good, God will not accept you for who you are because you're just that bad. Your sins are worse than anybody else's, and God cannot forgive that sin. You're just too bad. That's the condemnation. So we can pray. This is Psalms 51. This is David. After he went through everything he did with Bathsheba, to lose, he lost his firstborn son, okay? And he talks about, he comes to the Lord, he confesses the sin, and he says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. If you go back a little bit more in Psalms, he says, Cast me not away from your presence. Father, I, I want to come back in your presence. Restore to me. And number seven is one of those hard things to do. It's called move on. Some people say build a bridge and get over it, okay? We have to move on. We cannot dwell. That's what Satan does to us. He freezes us where we are. He makes us ineffective. You're saved. We're raising our hands. We're praising the Lord, but we can't move on because we can't forgive ourselves or we can't believe or trust that God has done what he said he's going to do. So we're stuck where we are. We're no longer effective. We're no longer powerful. We're no longer moving for him because Satan keeps lying to us and keeps telling us you're not going to make it. We've got to put that down and we've got to move on. We've got to move forward. Remember, you are a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And Satan says, you remember when you used to do that? You remember when you always did that? You know what, Satan? No, I don't anymore. I'm a new person. That is not who I am any longer. That is not who I am today. I am a new creation in my Lord and Savior. Am I perfect? Not in my eyes. Will I fail? Yes. I do make mistakes. But I can go immediately to my father and say, Daddy, guess what? I screwed up again. And he's going to tell me, my child, I still love you. I still love you. Bring the fatted calf. Bring the robes. Bring the rings. Bring the new shoes. Let's go have a party. 
He's not looking at what we did. He's looking at the new creation in us. Is there anything in your life right now? Maybe unconfessed sin. Maybe a grudge. Maybe someone, sometimes we get ideas that people have done something to us and it's just something in our head. We don't have any proof. We just know that they did. So we hold that against them. Maybe there is something that we've done that we think other people are are faulting us for. Maybe you can't get past who you used to be. All those things that you used to do, all those ideas that you had running in your head, all that bad stuff that you did prior to being a child of God. And you just can't get past it. Everywhere you turn, somebody's bringing it up. Somebody's bringing your past up to you. Somebody's saying, well, I know who you used to be. Why do you say you're all this christian person? Because I know who you were. I grew up with you. I saw how you acted. I think about Pastor Tim when he talked about his testimony about how he was out running wild, drinking, doing drugs, showing up at his house, and I don't even remember how he got there, crawling on his hands and knees into his, his mother's house. It's not who he is today. You are not who you were today. Yes, you fail. Yes, you make mistakes. Yes, you're not going to be perfect. We live in a fallen world. But thank the Lord we have the Father. You know what the word Abba means? That's the affectionate term that he would call somebody daddy or papa. You don't just call anybody papa. That's reserved to those special people in your life who are your daddy, okay? When we say Abba Father, that's saying daddy Father, Papa God. Let's take a moment, if you would stand. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to examine your heart, to search you and know and bring to your remembrance those things that maybe you've forgotten about. And they may not be anything major, but whether we know it or not, they could be holding us back from something. You could be right there on the edge of something great. Ask the Father to reveal those things to you. And you know what? There may be things you know right off the top of your head. You ain't got to think about it. I want you to give it to the Lord. I want you to let him know that you have failed. We've run from him. We've run so far. We'd rather serve swine than face you, Father. Help us, God, to come to ourselves. And help us to understand and know who we are in you. We are still your son. You're not going to put us out and make us a servant. You call me son. You call me daughter. And that position will never change. So church, whatever it is right now that has come to your mind, big, small, medium, it doesn't matter. Confess it to the Father.
He already knows. He's always known about it. He's always known everything about you. And yet he still loves you. He still cares about you. And he is standing there like the prodigal father with his arms wide open. He is running to you. And no matter what you want your position to be, he's saying it doesn't matter. Come into my house. Come into my presence. Father God, we just confess to you right now. There are things in our lives that we've said, we've done. Are there things in our lives that we haven't said or haven't done that we should have? Father, there's people that we've wronged. There's things that we've done that we know doesn't make you happy. And Father God, we just confess them to you right now. We place them at your feet. And Father, we are now free of those things. For you have covered them with the blood of Jesus Christ. You told us our sins were forgiven past, present, and future, Father. But you also said that when we mess up, we still can come to you. And I come to you right now, Father. Where I need to make restitution, Father, give me wisdom and discernment and the ability to make restitution. Where I need to make right those things that I've wronged, Father, give me the strength and the courage to stand up for you. And Father, I run into your open arms and I accept the position of son and daughter. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you that you're always there for me and that nothing, nothing can take us out of your care. Nothing can remove us from your presence. In your holy and awesome name we pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, let's give the Father a clap. He set us free. That thing that you're thinking of, you're free from. You don't have to worry about it anymore. If it, the Satan tries to bring it up or your mind tries to bring it up, you put it down in the name of Jesus. You tell him who you are and what you've done. And move forward. Let's move on. Because God has so much for us. He has so much for each of us, individually and corporately. Hallelujah. There is food over in the pantry, I think. Um, you're you're going to be over there with the pantry.